Well, good morning, Life Church. How are we? Oh, that was an okay response, actually. You were, you're pretty good. Well, my name is Jeremiah. Uh, that's one of the, the names that I have. One of the titles that I guess I'm most proud of, though, is Eldest Sibling. I'm the eldest of five. I've got four little siblings. Do we have any other eldests here this morning? I am in good company. I don't, wow, there's a lot of you. Hang on, put your hand up again. How many eldests? Wow. I mean, I don't mean to say we're the best because it goes without saying, right? No? no? Oh, okay. <laughs> Growing up with younger siblings, it, it can be a lot of fun. You know, being the oldest, the biggest, the strongest in the room. Get used to being the one who can, you know, control the little ones. It's your rules. It's what you says goes. It's not to say that you don't care for them because... You're anything like me, I'm crazy protective of my little siblings. But but I'm still in charge. Now, I was the biggest and best looking for a number of years. I'd say I had a good probably 15 or 16 years of that, which is no longer, I can tell you. I asserted my control and my dominion, my rules. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I was fiercely protective of them because they were mine. What fights were their fights became mine. What problems were theirs were my problems. But it was in the later years of high school where my siblings realized that not only were they about the same size as me and quickly overtaking, but that there were four of them and one of me. Four of them and one of me. So very quickly, it became a little bit of a game for the four of them to pick Maya up, they call me Maya, to pick Maya up and throw him in the swimming pool. It, regardless of the season, didn't matter kind of what was going on. I could be sit watching TV, could have just arrived home from visiting some friends, and they would all ambush me, remove the phone or keys or anything important from my pocket, and throw me into the swimming pool. So I realized that I had a couple of options that I became quite good at, actually. Uh, I realized that as they were getting bigger, uh, I was not. <laughs> and so I could run faster, and I could run for longer than they could. And the other advantage of being smaller than they was is that I could hide better than they could. So this became my approach and my strategy. When running for help didn't, when running didn't help me, and I couldn't get away fast enough, I got really, really good at hiding. We had lots of places to hide in our house. We have a, a massive family home and uh, lots of little hiding places, tunnels in the roof spaces and things. And one time I decided that I would hide in the top of our linen cupboard. Now it was a big walk-in linen cupboard and I climbed to the top shelf and in behind some bags that were up there. And I found out that it slowed them down a little bit because when they came in and eventually found me, they had to figure out how to get me down without completely hurting me. Uh, and so I, I hid there a couple of times, which you go, why would you hide there a couple of times? Because surely they looked there. Well, I thought maybe they wouldn't if I'd hidden there again. Another time that my family loves to tell about is I hid under our dining room table. Now, our dining room table has a big wooden bar across the bottom of it, and so I'd wrapped myself around the bar, and eventually when they found me, uh, they were all like calling for the others to come. And I was wrapped around this bar going, I win, I win. I 
didn't win, they, uh, they pried me off and they uh, threw me in the swimming pool. I tell you, it's an actual thing. You can, they throw me in the swimming pool. My approach became that I would run and that I would hide. Suffice to say, I didn't win very often, but that's how it was. I would get home or I'd be sitting somewhere in the house and the four of them would come up and I would end up in the pool. Many of you will be familiar with a passage in Matthew 5 in our Bibles about light, light on a hill. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. A lamp should not be put under a bowl or under a table. It should not be hidden. How encouraging and how challenging and how inspirational is this verse. Jesus is the light of the world. Let him shine. But I don't know if you've ever thought about this passage. It's great, but I'm just one person. I'm not a city. I can hide pretty well, hey? city on a hill might be able to be seen from all around but little old me my light we can hide in the shallows reasonably well and in many cases i think we're right us as individuals we can hide or at least feel like we're hidden but we're called to be part of a church you were never designed to live alone but in community with others and cities are made up of people made up of individuals of brothers and nieces of aunts and grandparents, of builders, croquet players, engineers, retired people. Cities are not made for one person, but for a community of people. And it cannot be hidden. Matthew 5 says this, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Since we announced that we were going to launch this campus uh, at the end of last year, a recurring theme of encouragement that's come up that people have brought is around this idea of light. That this campus, the people of this campus, the people of this church, will bring a light to this corner of our city and beyond that we would be a lighthouse calling people home, light breaking through walls, light bringing hope, that there are treasures in darkness, people who are hiding in darkness, and Jesus will shine his light through us into the darkness. You were created to shine and stand and share the message of hope with all people. It says to not cover up the light, but to make it known so that all others will see. In my personal devotion time with the Lord over the last few weeks and months, I've been reading through the books of Kings in my Bible. And I say working through because it's been a while and I'm still there. But in 1 Kings, when talking, it's talking about, in 1 Kings 8, talking about King Solomon bringing up the Ark of the Covenant into in the place of the king. In 1 Kings 8 verse 9, it says this, There was nothing in the Ark except the two stone tablets that Moses had placed in its holes, where the Lord had made a covenant with the Israelites after they came out of Egypt. When the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. As I was rereading this part of Kings, 
verse 9 really captured my attention. There was nothing else in the ark except the two stones of the tabernacle. There was nothing else in the ark except the two stone pillars. In other words, the only thing in the ark were the promises of God, the things that were designed to guide us back to right relationship with God. And when only the things that were guiding us back to right relationship with God were present, it led to such a strong presence of the Holy Spirit that the people, the priests, the pastors couldn't perform their duties because of the tangible, visible presence of the Lord filling the temple. There was nothing else in the ark except the two stone pillars. I wonder if sometimes we take a stand and we take a bowl, in this case a basket, and instead of putting our light under a bowl, I wonder if sometimes we put our light inside a bowl. Inside a bowl. Jesus can still see us shining, but but really it's not getting out through the side. We've got our light shining upward. Jesus, I love you, but but I don't really I can't really shine out the sides too much. our light in a box and then we begin to fill the box with unnecessary things when all that is needed is what will lead us closer to God do we have any chefs or bakers in the room got a few bakers and a few chefs now I know that they're different bakers have to be exact right getting all the ingredients in the right amount at the right time with the heat just right perfect conditions, right resting times, and then mwah, delicious. And chefs, well this is how kind of I am, I just kind of keep adding things until it tastes good. Maybe a little bit more of this, a little less sugar, a little more sauce, a little bit of flour. And if you're anything like me, I'll spend hours in the kitchen, having looked at a recipe maybe once spend the next hour crafting and dreaming and imagining and tasting it into something that perhaps is quite different from the original thing I've fallen in love with. And it didn't happen all at once. It was just slowly, one ingredient at a time. I added things to the recipe, to what I thought would be good, to what I believed would be best, to a flavor I liked, to something it was like I wanted to taste. I think sometimes this can be like us when it comes to shining a light to our friends and family, to our community and city and our nation. We have our candle, we put it on a stool, then we put it not under a bowl, but inside of one. And then we decide there are things that we could add to Jesus. Kind of to accessorize him. To make it a little more appealing to others. So what kind of things could we add to our box that has our light shining out of it. Maybe we dress a certain way, follow a certain influencer, buy the new season style of clothing, and it's not wrong, but 
Where is our identity found? And whose admiration are we seeking? And we say, I don't want to be putting off to others. And you're right, we don't. But it's in Jesus that we find our identity and our security. Look good and dress up if you like. God welcomes all people, wherever they are, however they look, whatever they've done. You are welcome here, and we pray that you can find this as a place where, yes, you belong. We can take the appearance out of our box and put in. Or our behavior. Maybe we put, we share with others what becomes a highlight reel of our life, and we put it in when we we feel like we've got things right. When things are going well, we'll, we'll add that to the box because that'll, that'll make people want to see it. When things are going really well, when we post about our trips to the beach and we tell people about our holidays, we get to promote Jesus in our relationship with Him. We'll invite people to the fireworks for Makariki. We'll invite them to our sports games invite them to church. We promote all the best parts of our week, those moments that we feel like we've got it right. Tell people of our good works and forget about Jesus. And it just because we're so insecure, we do. But if what we're doing is out of a love for Jesus and a desire that others would know Him, and because of what He has done for us, how ought we to not to make you appear good, but to make Jesus known. We can take our behavior out of the box and put in Jesus and make him feel like we've got things right. And then we might add, maybe we'll add some language to the box. You know, make it make it easier for people to understand. Except our language begins to sound a lot like the world. Now we need to talk in a way that people can understand us. And I'm thinking maybe what if we, we fell into some gossip or we speak poor of people or we speak doubt and we grumble about others and our language becomes unrecognizable and we simply sound like everyone else. We need to sound like the church to the world so that when someone hears us speak, they hear the hope of Jesus. When someone hears you speak, they hear of the love that Christ has for you. Our language should encourage, build up, and bring hope and point people to Jesus. It is Jesus' language that we let shine. And so we take our language and what we think is nicer for people to hear out of the box. hard in my family I had my family culture for a little bit I've got a teenager and he's asking some questions I don't really know the answers so we, we kind of stop talking about God a little bit we have people around we, we just say God just doesn't make me feel like you or we just kind of stop talking about it and if they really wanted to know them? Do we talk about them? Do we declare that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? 
I will talk more about my God than people uh, will testify. I will testify to my personal experience of him. I will discuss and be prepared to get things wrong. But I'll be real on my journey with my God. So I'll take my family, family culture out of the fold and just seek Jesus right inside of me. Now I'm not saying that we don't do all that we can to make the church a welcoming place, an accessible place, a place that people from all walks of life can come in and walk in and feel like they can belong. But it is Jesus who we never cover up. Jesus doesn't need our accessories or our justification. Do not put anything else in the place of Jesus. Do not fill up the box where your life is with unnecessary things. Do not allow your life to become cluttered with temporary, worldly things, but fill your life with the things that lead you back to right relationship with Jesus so that people will hear and see and experience the goodness, the glory, the power, and the love of God in your life. Let your light shine with confidence and boldness and conviction. Take your light out of the box and live only the things that lead us back to right relationship with Jesus. And when nothing else is in the ark, except the things that lead us back to closer relationship with God, the presence of the Holy Spirit fills the ark. Jesus makes us right with God. What he did for us makes us right with God. Jesus at the center of our lives. We can sometimes try to cover it up, to pacify and to make what we do sound nicer, to justify who we are and to nullify what we truly believe, to make it more comfortable and the light more bearable. But the reality is, Jesus is the hope of humanity. He is the reason that we have relationship with him. We are created for a plan and a purpose by him and so it is through him that we sit and we stand and we have our light shining out so that others can see it not filled with unnecessary things God has laid out the plans and desires that he has for us and then he invites us into living it out with him Ephesians 2.10 says for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Behold the message of Jesus. This is the light that we shine. That he came and lived on earth, lived a perfect life as the son of God, a life you and I could never possibly live. But for us, for you, he suffered. He was abused, mocked, told to sit down and be silent, questioned and ridiculed by society, and ultimately humanity crucified. The very people that Jesus was killed for. But his death was not the end. He took our sin and our separation from God, and he took it to the grave. And then he rose, leaving behind our sin so that we can have free access and relationship with God if only we choose to accept what he has done for us. 
So this is why our posture is not one that we hide away, but says, here I am. I am available. I'm not hiding. Where you need me, I will go. What you say, I will be obedient to. Who you are, I will shine my light brighter to people in my life. What you call me to, I will respond with a yes. And Lord, even when I don't feel like it, I will be persistent. I will be persistent in prayer. I will pray and I will intercede for others. I will fight battles in prayer. I'll be persistent in the church. I will choose to place myself in environments that stir me to live a life that Christ has called me to. Placing the things, the only things in my life that point me and lead me closer to Christ. I won't sweat. I won't become lazy. I won't set up my tents in a comfortable place. But I will choose to plant myself in the local church. I will choose to be in environments, to shine in environments where God has placed me and that lead me closer to Him. I will shine my light brighter to a lost and broken world. I'll be persistent with people. I'll not give up and relegate those who don't yet follow Jesus to that spot. I'll seek conversations of faith. I'll pray persistently for them. I'll commit to loving them and serving them and bringing hope to a people who do not yet know Him or to people who did once know Him and have walked away. I was listening to a message from another pastor this week. He was saying if every Christian has been offended by the church, and now does not attend, if they came back to this church, we couldn't fix much of it. Let's be a church that can't fit people in the room because there's a hunger and a desire to know and reconnect with Jesus. It's why our posture of prayer is always going to be praying for prodigals and salvation, to come home and be woken up to the reality of Jesus haven't yet made it along to one of our prayer meetings. We have one tonight in all-in gathering prayer at La Vida at 6pm. It's a trip across town, yes, but I will be available and position myself in an environment that we will pray for lost people. And I encourage you to put it in your diary for today and come along. Our posture of shining our light says that we are always available to God. All of us, all of Him, God, you can have us. I put, my, put myself in places and environments that you would call me. And my approach and my attitude will respond with a yes wherever you are leading. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. I will be persistent. And I'd like to pray for us. See, our posture and our approach and our attitude God is one of obedience. I will shine my light. I'll choose to fill my life with things that lead me to right relationship with God. And I will make myself available and be persistent in shining the message of good news of grace and hope to all people, to anyone in my sphere. There's a song that some of you probably sang at Sunday school or life church or in a kids' program. Let it shine. I'm gonna let it shine. 
some of the other verses that I knew hold my light out through my friends I'm going to let it shine hide it under a bushel no I'm going to let it shine don't keep the light blow it out I'm going to let it shine let it shine let it remind me let it shine more personal from your family? Are you yet to put down roots in the local church and be part of shining a bright light to the people in our spheres of influence? Perhaps you're shining a light but you've covered it with some unnecessary thing. Let's unpack the unnecessary things and let Jesus shine through us because Christ in us is more than enough he doesn't need our justification or our accessories the boldness and confidence we have to share with others is because he's already done it for us Christ has already died for us he's taken our sin and our separation to the grave so when we stand and when we shine our light, we can do it with confidence, knowing that He's called us. You might, be a, you might feel like a light on a stool all alone. But if you stood here this morning, you're part of a church, a city on a hill, and it cannot be hidden. People in our community, they notice as they walk past, as they drive past. They see the building, yes. But they interact with the people. They see you at the school drop-off, at the supermarket. They see you as you walk your dog along the streets. Whatever you are doing, you're shining the light of Jesus to our community. morning I want to pray for a renewed sense of boldness to shine and also for a renewed sense of confidence in the gospel a new sense of boldness and for a confidence in the gospel that will change and if you feel like you're one of those and you're like actually I really would love sense of boldness I need a new sense of confidence in this gospel that I carry would you just respond to him this morning however you need to maybe it is just lifting your hands as we pray and as we worship in a moment just ask God for that boldness and that sense of confidence in what he has done for us God we thank you for your son 
God, it is in what he did for us that we come in a right relationship with you. Because of your son in our lives, that we know who you are, God. God, I pray this morning for those gathered here who who say, I am available, I'll be persistent. God, would you give them a new sense of boldness to shine your light brighter, to have conversations of faith with people, to have an elevated prayer life where they pray persistently for people in their lives. Bold prayers. Prayers that welcome people into the kingdom of God. God, for prodigals to come home for new salvations in our city and our nation. God, for other churches, we want all churches to be succeeding, to be filled, to overflowing with people because there's such a hunger and desire. God, we pray for a sense of boldness to believe for such things. God, would you give us a new sense of confidence in the gospel? the life. It is the hope for humanity. God, help us to unveil your son. That people would see Jesus shining so brightly through us. 